0: Recorded live go, the best let's <laughs> go. Trainway to a higher plane, manifest your world, shaking the mundane. Chip up, make moves,
1: inspire. change stuff, work first, taking your higher. Bring walk, it get first like destiny. choose, stuff to do, so make your moves, find the way you. Touch the sky, and high, change. So, that's yes, I invite you, invite you. So come on, please. come on. Please. How
0: we doing the indigo room. Yeah. Hello, 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 hello! Howdy, doody! Welcome to the Indigo Room. Thank you for being here and joining us today. is April thirtieth. It's Saturday, April thirtieth. It's a little bit after twelve, and um, uh, I am your host. Sydney Chase, and you know how we do in the Indigo Room. This is where we discuss all things spiritual, and by that I mean that we are non-physical spiritual beings having physical human experiences. Life is actually delicious when we allow it to be. And when it gets wicky-wacky, you know we have tools. We talk about those tools here. You can dig in your little tool bag and find out what's going on and, you know, apply them to your daily experience here on the planet Earth <laughs> in these three dimensions that we live in. And uh, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to have you all join me as we continue reading Resurrection by Neville Gardner. It's gotten deep. It's gotten interesting. It's um, uh, a beautiful combination of some of his his good works you know, great works. And um, honestly, if you really want to read more Neville, you know, after we're done, because we're probably we're going to read some more, but um, we're going to shift a little bit. And and also, when we're done with this book, have some guests appear on the show. Working on that. But um, anyway, you could go to real real neville dot com, and uh, there are tons, tons, tons of pdf files tons of of his lectures tons of work that you can continue to read um yourself and apply and see how it works for you and if it doesn't work for you find something that does you know me i always say find what works for you to make your life less wicky wacky (laughs) i just know Neville works for me um and what he's teaching and his teachings and and um I got to see some really cool pictures of him again uh, this week on Facebook. Uh, real um, candid photos, not just the, the headshots. So it was, it's really uh, really cool. I'm having a great time. Life is indeed good. Things got wicky-wacky over here in my world. But, you know, I'm applying my tools. I'm using my tools. I'm blessing. I'm not complaining. I have almost reached 30 days of not complaining, which is kind of good. I'm a little proud of myself. I'm not completely at 30 days yet. I got about 10 more days to go <laughs> cuz I had to restart it I don't know how many times. But um it's a good thing, you know? It's it's a wonderful thing. It's a it's ability to really step in your power to choose, to refocus, to re turn around certain things in your life and in your experience. Um so two people, you know, that two, two energies that were in my experience um, are now, you know, gone. They are released. universe sought to remove them. So I'm, I'm, you know, in that zone now and adjusting and healing myself and remembering the truth of who I am because everybody goes through stuff. Listen, enlightenment is messy <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> You don't become enlightened and then all of a sudden, you know, everything is is peachy keen. That's when the real work starts. That's when you really got to dig in deep and, you know, get yourself together. And Yaren, yes, you can have the words to the opening song. I will shoot them over to you. My son wrote it, um, Sean Daly, and uh, he's coming out with his new album next week. It's dropping, and it's really, really a great work. I'm so proud of him. He was going through stuff as I all told you and I shared with you, and um, he was in like this black, j- just this black hole, and you know I was just, I just had to help him, you know, and 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 re, and see the truth of who he is, and use my imagination to to see that truth, and it's working. It seeped in, and he's starting, you know, he's he's, he's getting it, so it's a wonderful thing, and he's. Um, came up with some great work in the middle of his um, dark period. So I think that's what happens to artists sometimes. I think it happens to a lot of creatives. You just go into this place, and then when you come out, you have this amazing body of work. So kudos to Sean, and uh, very proud of him. Anyway, I want to say thank you to Wanda Lynn for your love donation And uh, um, 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 I'm Debbie, (laughs) thank you, and uh, those of you that are um, listening to the Indigo Room um, and you you don't get to join us live, I want to say hello um, to Gloria and to Cindy and uh Francisco and Ray Harvey and um Paul used to join us too. I'm not sure if he's where he is at right now, but I'm saying hello to you too. And uh I feel like, you know, the Romper Room lady. But if you <laughs> I see all of you. I want to say hi to um Mavis who I believe is in the room and um also painter who listens um offline and um we're saying happy Passover, even though it's over now, to Yaron in Israel, Tel Aviv. And Gary's with us, and uh, Deborah and Linda, and Linda and Deborah are going to help us read as usual, but I made a mistake, and we are not reading Chapter 22, because we did that last week, duh, we're reading Chapter 23, so I have to go back and, you know, fix everything, but we're reading Chapter 23, which is power of imagination. It's a powerful thing. We can create some really terrible things, or we can create create some really amazing things. And um, our imagination is just the most powerful tool we have. So I say, use your powers for good. That's what I say. And if you want to um, send a love donation, because I'm working on the website finally, yay! To um, the Indigo Room, you can do that at the Indigo Room. All one word, number one at AOL.com. If you want to send me a message, you could send it to the Indigo Room 2 at gmail.com. And um, or you could find me on Facebook or Twitter or, you know, Google. Sometimes I'm in there now, but lately I haven't been because I'm working on Sean's website and my own. So right now, I check it as I can. Also, um, if you want to call in the number 724-444-7444, enter the TalkCast ID number 33443. It's a lot of fours. Press the pound or hashtag button for those of you that are young and don't know what pound means. (laughs) It's a hashtag on your phone. And uh, follow the operator prompts and you'll be connected to the call. So, we're going to first read Power of Imagination, Chapter 23. If you have the book, it's on page 125. If you're looking at a PDF file, I don't know what page it's on, but um, it's Chapter 23. Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Men claim that a true judgment must conform to external reality to which it relates. This means that If I, while imprisoned, suggest to myself that I am free and succeed in believing that I am free, it is true that I believe in my freedom, but it does not follow that I am free, for I may be the victim of illusion. But because of my own experiences, I have come to believe in so many strange things that I see little reason to doubt the truth of things that are beyond my experience. The ancient teachers warned us not to judge from appearances because, said they, the truth need not conform to the external reality to which it relates. They claimed that we bore false witness if we imagined evil against another, that no matter how real our belief appears to be, how truly it conforms to the external reality to which it relates, If it does not make free the one of whom we hold the belief, it is untrue and therefore a false judgment. We make false judgments every day based upon appearances or based upon um, an action that relates to the appearance. may not be what it is, what we think it is, right? We all do that. Unfortunately, we, you know, we make judgments. I do it. Then I have to catch myself. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) We are called upon to deny the evidence of our senses and to imagine, as true of our neighbor, that which makes him free. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth truth shall make you free. To know the truth of our neighbor, we must assume that he is already that which he desires to be. Any concept we hold of another that is short of his fulfilled desire will not make him free and therefore cannot be the truth. Instead of learning my craft in schools where attending courses and seminars are, is considered a substitute for self-acquired knowledge, my schooling was devoted almost exclusively to the power of imagination. I sat for hours imagining myself to be other than which my reason and my senses dictated until the imagined states were vivid, so reality as reality so vivid that past, passerby became but a part of my imagination and acted as I would have them by the power of imagination. My fantasy led theirs and dictated to them their behavior. And the discourse they held together, while I was identified with my imagined state. Man's imagination is the man himself, and the world as imagination sees it as the real world. But it is it is our duty? It is our duty to imagine all that is lovely and as of and, a, uh, and of good report. The Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh upon the outward appearance. But the Lord looketh upon the heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In meditation, when the brain grows luminous, I find my imagination endowed with the magnetic power to attract to me whatsoever I desire. Desire is the power imagination uses to fashion life about me as I fashion it within myself. I first desire to see a certain person or scene, And then I look as though I were seeing that which I want to see. And the imagined state becomes objectively real. I desire to hear. And then I listen as though I were hearing. And the imagined voice speaks that which I dictate as though it had initiated the message. I could give you many examples to prove my arguments, to prove that these imagined states do become physical realities, but I know that my example will awaken in all who have not met the like or who are not inclined towards my argument a most natural incredulity. Nevertheless, experience has convinced me of the truth of the statement. He calleth those things which be not as though they were. Romans 4.17 For I have in intense meditation, called things that were not seen as though they were. And the unseen not only became seen, but eventually became physical realities. How many of you have realized that yourself? I have many times, some for good, some for not so good but I have realized that I did it, right? You, when you sit in your imagination, you practice the, the steps that Neville gives us, especially, you know, um, getting into that sleepy state and putting yourself, seeing yourself, feeling yourself, making it so real that it feels like it's happening right now. And then you open your eyes and you're on the subway <laughs> or the ferry. And you go, wait, I, it's like Esau, right? It's like Esau, like he taught us back a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> by this method, first desiring and then imagining that we are experiencing what we desire. Wait, by this method first desiring and then imagining that we are experiencing that which we desire to experience we can mold the future in harmony with our desire but let us follow the advice of the prophet and think only the lovely and the good for the imagination waits on us as indifferently and as swiftly when our nature is evil as when it is good from us spring forth good and evil I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Deuteronomy 30.15 Desire and imagination are the enchanter's wand of fable, and they draw to themselves their own affinities. They break forth best when the mind is in a state akin to sleep. I have written with some care and detail the method I use to enter the dimensionally larger world, but I shall give one more formula for opening the door of the larger world in a dream in a vision of the night when deep sleep calleth upon men in slumberings upon the bed then he open, openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction job thirty-three fifteen sixteen. 16 in dream we are usually the servant of our vision rather than its master But the internal fantasy of dream can be turned into external reality. In dreams, as in meditation, we slip from this world into a dimensionally larger world. And I know that the forms in dreams are not flat two-dimensional beings, which modern psychologists believe them to be. They are substantial realities of the dimensionally larger world. And I can lay hold of them. I have discovered that if I surprise myself dreaming, I can lay hold of any inanimate or stationary form of the dream, a chair, a table, a stairway, a tree, and command myself to awake. At the command to awake, while firmly holding on to the object of the dream, I am pulled through myself with the distinct feeling of awakening from the dream. This happened to me last night. Just saying. It was quite interesting. A little weird. I felt a little weird. But it happened. I awakened in another sphere holding the object of my dream to find that I am no longer the servant of my vision, but its master. For I am fully conscious and in control of the moment of my attention. It is in this fully conscious state when we are in control of the direction of thought, that we can call things that are not seen as though they were. In this state, we call things by wishing and assuming the feeling of our wish fulfilled. Unlike the world of three dimensions where there is an interval between our assumption and its fulfillment, in the dimensionally larger world, there is an immediate realization of our assumption. The external reality instantly mirrors our assumption. Here, there is no need to wait four months till harvest. We look again as though we saw, and lo and behold, the fields are already white to harvest. In this dimensionally larger world, you shall not need to fight, set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord within you. Chronicles, 2017. And because that greater world is slowly passing through our three-dimensional world, we can, by the power of imagination, mold our world in harmony with our desire. Look as though you saw. Listen as though you heard. Stretch forth your imaginary hand as though you touched, and your assumption will harden into facts. To those who believe that a true judgment must conform to the external reality to which it relates, this will be foolishness and a stumbling block. But I preach and practice the fixing in consciousness of that which man desires to realize. Experience convinces me that fixed attitudes of mind which do not conform to the external reality to which they relate and are therefore called imaginary things which are not, will nevertheless bring to naught things that are. So the unseen by everybody else, even yourself, becomes seen. But you see it in your imagination. So really, in a way, it's not unseen. But in our reality, we say, well, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. You have to see it first. You have to see it first in your imagination. You have to touch it first. You have to feel it first. You have to be it first. It's not the other way around. Signs proceed. Wait, signs follow. They do not proceed. Right. I do not wish to write a book of wonders, but rather to turn men's mind back to the one and only reality That the ancient teachers worshipped as God. All that was said of God was in reality said of man's consciousness, so we may say that according as it is written, he that glorify let him glory in his own consciousness. No man needs help to direct him in the application of this law of consciousness. I am is the self definition of the absolute, the root out of which everything grows. I am the vine. What is your answer to the internal question, who am I? What is your answer? Think about that if you haven't pondered it yet. I have pondered it, twisted it around, looked under it, rolled it around, picked it up, (laughs) looked at the sides. What is your answer to the eternal question, who am I? Your answer determines the part you play in the world's drama. Your answer, that is, your concept of self, need not conform to the external reality to which it relates. This great truth is revealed in the statement, let the weak say I am strong. Mm. That's in Joel 3.10. Look back over the good resolutions with which many new years Past New Year's are encumbered. They lived a little while, and then they died. I like the way he put that in there. They lived. Our New Year's resolutions lived. We gave them life, right, at the beginning of the year, as we do so many years over and over. And then they died. They passed away. Why? Because they, are, they were severed from their root, Assume that you are that which you want to be. Experience in imagination what you would experience in the flesh were you already that which you want to be. Remain faithful to your assumption so that you define yourself as that which you have assumed. Things have no life if they are severed from their roots. And our consciousness, our I amness is the root of all that springs in our world. If ye believe that I am if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your own sins John eight twenty four. That is, if I do not believe that I am already that which I desire to be, then I remain as I am and die in my present concept of self. There is no power outside of the consciousness of man to resurrect and make alive which man desires to experience. That man who is accustomed to call up at will whatever images he pleases will be by virtue of the power of his imagination, master of his fate. I am the resurrection and the life. I say that to myself probably about 100 times a day. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the presence filling my world with perfection this day. I'll be saying it while I'm walking around. I could be saying it while I'm talking to somebody. I'm listening, but I'm also stating that too. When I'm sitting at my desk, I am the resurrection and the life. In between those moments. You know, when you have these quiet thoughts and all of a sudden your mind starts to take you down a train, you can direct where it's going. You have the power.
1: <clears throat>
0: I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. John 11:25. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That is the power of imagination, so um Linda you're going to uh, read next, no one to change but self, but you really need to to, to understand um, that statement of changing your concept of self. I am really probably now really, really understanding um what neville was trying to convey with that statement it didn't i don't know it never really sunk in before until we started really really reading um uh resurrection again my third time around i'm going oh that's right you can't have anything that you want or desire to be until you change your concept of self. And the only way to change your concept of self is to go in your imagination. And the only way to do that is, I mean, to go in your imagination and ask yourself, what would it feel like if this were true? And to live in that, to be that, even if your reality is not showing that, you have to step into that, that powerfulness of changing your concept of self. Would I be saying these things if my concept of self had changed? Would I be doing ABCDEFG the same way I always did it, if my concept of self had changed? Would I be doing anything? So even in, like, the smallest things, how you move about the planet. Would I be moving this way if... A, B, C, D, E, F, G was the fact, or, you know, my desire was hardened into fact? No, I probably wouldn't. Would I be riding the subway? Yeah, I probably would ride the subway if that had changed, but there's certain things that you know about yourself. Would you be thinking this way? Would you be saying the things that you're saying? Would you be behaving this way if this was already a hardened fact, if this? whatever it is, the desire that you have was a hardened fact. Would you be making those statements? Oh, you know, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills again. Well, you haven't changed your concept of self. You haven't done it. If that's the statement that you're making. So, it's sort of, it's a very fine nuance. You have to literally, literally change everything about you in your imagination. Because if you had um the amount of money let's just say take a money issue if you had the amount of money that you desire you would not be making those statements to Joe blow about i don't know how i'm going to pay my bills this week you wouldn't even be that wouldn't even be something that you would be thinking about at all right cuz you would know it's already done I, you know, write the check out. So this is what I do every week. I write my checks out. You, it, would be, it would be easy. It wouldn't be a statement that you would be making. You'd be making other statements, but you wouldn't be making that one. Okay. You attract what you are. Yaron said, in other words, you attract what you conceive yourself to be. Yeah. I would even say I wouldn't even say conceive, I would just say I would I, you attract what you are, period. End of story. You attract what you know you are. Period. If you are have changed your concept of self, then your actions, your your statements, your responses, your everything how you're experiencing your external world would literally be changed too. And then your reality starts to harden into fact because the universe, the, you know, the, your God self says, "Yep, yep, 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 that's true." Boom! This is this is your reality. This is this is true for you. All right, Miss Linda.
1: Okay. Chapter Hi. 15. Hi.
0: How you doing? Good. You ready to rock and roll? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, darling.
2: Chapter twenty-four. No one to change but self. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. John seventeen nineteen. The idea, the idea we serve and strive to attain, could never be okay. evolved from us were it not potentially involved. In our nature. It is now my purpose to retell and to emphasize an experience of mine printed by me two years ago. I believe the quotations from the search will help us to understand the operation of the law of consciousness and show us that we have no one to change but self. Once in an idle interval at sea, I meditated on the perfect state and wondered what I would be, were I of two pure eyes to behold iniquity, if to me all things were pure, and were I without condemnation. As I became lost in this fiery brooding, I found myself lifted above the dark environment of the senses. So intense was the feeling I felt myself a being of fire dwelling in a body of air. Voices as from a heavenly chorus with the exaltation of those who had been conquerors in a conflict with death were singing, He is risen, He is risen. And intuitively I knew they meant me. Then I seemed to be walking in the night. I soon came upon a scene that might have in the ancient pool of Bethesda, for in this place lay a great multitude of impotent folk blind, halt, withered, waiting not for the moving of the water as of tradition, but waiting for me. As I came near, without thought or effort on my part, they were, one after the other, molded as by the magician of the beautiful Eyes, hands, feet, all missing members were drawn from some invisible reservoir and molded in harmony with that perfection which I felt springing within me. When all were made perfect, the chorus exalted. It is finished. Then the scene dissolved and I awoke. I know this vision was the result of my intense meditation upon the idea of perfection for my meditations invariably bring about the union with the state contemplated. I had been so completely absorbed within the idea that for a while I had become what I contemplated and the high purpose with which I had for that moment identified myself drew the companionship of higher things and fashioned the vision in harmony with my inner nature. The idea with which we are united works by association of ideas to awaken a thousand moods to create a drama in keeping with the central idea. My mystical experiences have convinced me that there is no way to bring about the outer perfection we seek other than by the transformation of ourselves. As soon as we succeed in transforming ourselves, the world will melt magically before our eyes and reshape itself in harmony with that which our transformation affirms. In the divine economy, nothing is lost. We cannot lose anything save by descent from the sphere where the thing has its natural life. There is no transforming power in death And whether we are here or there, we fashion the world that surrounds us by the intensity of our imagination and feeling. And we illuminate or darken our lives by the concepts we hold ourselves. Concepts we hold of ourselves. Nothing is more important to us than our conception of ourselves. And especially, is this true of our concept of the dimensionally greater one within us. Those who help or hinder us, whether they know it or not, are the servants of that law which shapes outward circumstances in harmony with our inner nature. It is our conception of ourselves which frees or constrains us, though it may use material agencies to achieve its purpose. Because life molds the outer world to reflect the inner arrangement of our minds, there is no way of bringing about the outer perfection we seek other than by the transformation of ourselves. No help cometh from without. The hills to which we lift our eyes are those of an inner range. It is thus to our own consciousness that we must turn as to the only reality the only foundation on which all phenomena can be explained. We can rely absolutely on the justice of this law to give us only that which is of the nature of ourselves. To attempt to change the world before we change our concept of ourselves is to struggle against the nature of things. There can be no outer change. Until there is first an interchange. As within, so without. I am not advocating philosophical indifference when I suggest that we should imagine ourselves as already that which we want to be, living in a mental atmosphere of greatness, rather than using physical means and arguments to bring about the desired change. Everything we do unaccompanied by a change of consciousness is but futile readjustment of surfaces. However we toil or struggle, we can receive no more than our assumptions affirm. To protest against anything which happens to us is to protest against the law of our being and our rulership over our own destiny. The circumstances of my life are too closely related to my conception of myself not to have been formed by my own spirit from some dimensionally larger storehouse of my being. If there is pain to me in these happenings, I should look within myself for the cause. For I am moved here and there and made to live in a world in harmony with my concept of myself. Intense meditation brings about a union with the state contemplate. And during this union, we see visions, have experiences and behave in keeping with our change of consciousness. This shows us that a transformation of consciousness will result in a change of environment and behavior. All wars prove that violent emotions are extremely potent in precipitating mental rearrangements. Every great conflict has been followed by an era era of materialism and greed in which the ideals for which the conflict ostensibly was waged are submerged. This is inevitable because war evokes hate, which impels a descent in consciousness from the plane of the ideal to the level where the conflict is waged. If we would become as emotionally aroused over our ideals as we become over our dislikes, we would ascend to the plane of our ideal as easily as we now descend to the level of our hates. Love and hate have a magical transforming power and we grow through their exercise into the likeness of what we contemplate by intensity of hatred we create in ourselves the character we imagine in our enemies qualities die for want of attention so the unlovely states might be best might best be rubbed out by imagining beauty for ashes and joy for mourning rather than by direct attacks on the state from which we would be free. Whatsoever things are lovely and of good report, think on these things. For we become that with which we are in rapport. There is nothing to change but our concept of self. As soon as we succeed in transforming self, our world will dissolve and reshape itself in harmony with that which our change affirms.
0: Thank you, my beautiful Linda. You're welcome. I I really um when I read this again recently, um the whole war thing really hit like knocked me upside my head when he was saying that um if we could if we could have the emotional arousal over our ideals as we do over our dislikes. Because, you know, we get so... When we get angry, we get fiercely... It's like we want to just rip people apart or rip things apart. We just get so angry. But when we get... when When we're in that... Um, imagining state where we want to imagine things differently it's not that intense not all the time and if you could have that intensity for the things that the the joyful things, for the lovely things for beauty instead of the ashes well our world would, would certainly change a lot quicker than it probably has, you know, each one of us I'm not talking about the planet. I'm not, I'm not talking about everybody. I'm just saying, if we all could do that, imagine what experiences we would have. I, when I ha- when I read that, I had to read it three times, just recently. <laughs> Riding back and forth to work. I was like, wait, 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 what? How
1: come I didn't get that before?
0: But, you know, it hit me differently this time, this time around. Do you have any thoughts, any um. Ponderings you'd like to share,
2: Miss Linda? Sorry, I put you on mute.
0: Yeah, Um, you put me on mute. That's all right. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, it that's um, you know, they just it just reiterated that. Uh, and remind, and reminded me that okay, you know there are situations that I don't like, and that's reflecting, you know, that's that's me right now, and so I'm responsible for doing something about it or not. Nobody else, nothing else, mm. it's
1: me. Mm.
2: So I have to go within and change.
0: Yeah, that's and cute.
2: A lot of a lot of people don't don't want to hear that. Sometimes I don't want to hear that.
0: <laughs> but sometimes I don't want to hear it. And I go, Oh gosh. hmm
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then I then I have to Okay, you're right. <laughs> you know. And then, you know, and then I have to I have to take time and sit down and think about, well, how would it what would the change feel like? Mm. And sometimes I have no clue, right? And it's like, okay, well, then I'm not ready to go there, so I'll put it on the back burner and kind of think about it, and you know, revisit it and stuff, and and um, play with it. And well, what would this feel like? What you know, what really would this you know be like? Mm. And uh. Uh, and yeah, and I find I have to be very specific. So, um, uh, and I have to deal with sometimes stuff that comes up. Well, you screwed up that one time, and um, so you got to be careful, and you got to watch it. And then it's like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, well, you don't need to go there, you know. We, we mm-hmm. learn from our mistakes, and we know yep. we know sort of we know more what to look out for, or what to include in our imagining, and then we have a clear sense. But I have my ups and downs when I, go, you know, go there. You know, I really don't like X Y Z this X Y Z situation. Well, you got to do something about it or not. If you're not, then maybe you just need to stop, you know, like let it go. Right. Anyway.
0: I, I I love I love how your mind is going. I love I love it. Thank you because it does. You know, it's important to understand first of all that we when we are here, we're doing this show, and and we are applying all of these things to ourselves that. You know, we got ups and downs too, right? We understand, you know, we have likes and dislikes too. Nobody here is more um, powerful in their creation than anybody else. It is a matter of catching yourself and really saying, okay, well, all right. You know, sometimes you don't know what it would look like, feel like, if it were true, just like Linda said. And then you have to figure it out. You have to think about that. Yaron said, How, any ideas on how to identify, how to intensify positive vibes? I think that's probably going to be very subjective for each person. Because you have to look at how viscerally you get angry. What does that feel like? You know, like that powerful, intense feeling. What does that feel like to you? And then see how you can apply that to, I wouldn't even say a positive vibe, I would just say, how can you apply that to what you're creating in your imagination? You know, like, can you shift it to the point where you are so elated in in and in, in focus on lovely things that that particular incident or that particular thought pattern is dissipated. I, that's how I look at it. Like I try to dissipate some of those those angry feelings and push that um, that feeling towards something that is more more better feeling, you know, a better feeling uh situation. It happens to me. On the regular, and I catch myself and then I turn it around, and I find myself smiling and it's it's just a momentary thing because my mind sometimes will just go i'll do this back and forth thing it goes back and forth back and forth i'll be i'll smile I could look like a crazy person if you saw me i'll be smiling, have a little smile on my face, and then all of a sudden a scowl will come on my face because i've allowed my mind to have its way, and it'll switch back to the thought pattern. That you know is not a happy thought pattern for me. And then I go, wait a minute, I'm in control here. I'm the one in control, mind. You go kick rocks. We're going over this direction. And you just have to, you just have to, really, um, do that little bit of a, of a powerful shift yourself and figure out how does that feel to you, because it's different for each person. It's the same formula that Neville gives us, but the feeling is going to be different. So I don't know, you know, what that answer is, Aaron. you That's something that you're going to have to actually figure on yourself. How about that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wish I could take you in my mind with me and show you, but I can't. Um. Uh, Linda, do you have anything you want to add to his question? No. Okay. Because I think it's really subjective. It's it just depends on each person. Because you may you may be in a place where you have intensified your positive vibe. I don't know. I don't, you know I wouldn't know how to reach that level for you. But just know that you just keep doing the work. It works. It works when you keep working it. Okay, we're going to unmute Miss Deborah. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, darling. You're up. You ready to rock and roll? Absolutely. Okay, so you're going to read A Confession of Faith. Okay,
1: Confession of Faith. Now, after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. Jesus' ministry began after that of John ended in Judea. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. Luke chapter 3 verse 23. The soil of the centuries had been plowed and harrowed for the gospel of God, and men began to experience God's plan of salvation. The authors of the gospel of God are anonymous, and all that we can really know about them must be derived from our own experience of scripture. Their authority was not in scripture as a dead written code, but in their own experience of scripture. Their gospel was not a new religion, but the fulfillment of one as old as the faith of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. And Abraham believed God and lived in accordance with the preview of the story of salvation that God granted to him. The unknown authors of the gospel emphasize the fulfillment of Scripture in the life of Jesus Christ. Christ in us fulfills the Scripture. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. The repetition in us through his indwelling has been expressed by Johann Scheffler, a 17th century mystic. Though Christ a thousand times in Bethlehem be born, if he's not born in thee, thy soul is still forlorn. Edward Thomas. And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Luke chapter 24, verse 25, verse 27, and verses 44 and 45. And they read from the book from the law of God with interpretation, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. The Old Testament is a prophetic blueprint of the life of Jesus Christ. The gospel of God is the revelation of the future granted to Abraham. Abraham rejoiced that he was to see my day. John chapter 8 verse 56. It is about the risen Christ. Participation in the life of the age to come depends on God's act of raising the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's victory. That we shall be united with him in a resurrection like his is the promise of God's victory for all. But before the day of victory, man must be refined in the furnace of affliction. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake, for my own sake. I do it, for how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Isaiah chapter 48. Verse 10 and 11, it takes the furnace of affliction to conform us to the image of his son, and therefore to the image of the father, for the father and the son are one. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters, and all who had known him before, and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. Job chapter 42, verses 11 and 12. The story of Job is the story of man, the innocent victim of a cruel experiment on the part of God. And God said, let us make man in our image. Genesis 1, verse 26. Yet I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And that glory is nothing less than the unveiling of God the Father in us as us. Nothing can take the place of personal witness to God's plan of salvation. The plan of the mystery is inherent in the creation. What is so prophetically spoken to the world in the Old Testament is realized in one's own personality. All was foretold me, but naught could I foresee, but I learned who Jesus Christ really is after the story was reenacted in me. The man who has experienced scripture cannot escape the responsibility of telling its meaning to his fellow men. The unknown writers of the gospel of God were not describing situations and events of the past as historians. Their story of Jesus Christ is their own experience of God's plan of redemption as men who themselves had experienced redemption. They related their own experiences. They are witnesses of the first order testifying to the truth of God's word, not hesitating to interpret the Old Testament according to their own supernatural experiences. Having experienced the story of salvation, I can add my testimony to theirs and say that all is done as they have told it. Their experiences thus attested confront men with the responsibility of accepting or rejecting their interpretation of the Old Testament. Their testimony should be heard and responded to. One must experience scripture for himself before he can begin to understand how wonderful it is. They give no account of the personal appearance of Jesus. Because when the story of salvation is recreated in man, man will know that I am he. He who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 17.
0: We're going to stop there this week, Uh, Deborah. Thank you. Um, So he's, Neville is trying to get us to understand, you know, that the Gospel of God, that the authors of the Gospel of God are anonymous. And basically, it's the story of us, individually, each one of us, realizing that, you know, we have that Jesus Christ within us. Right? We are him. He is, he is us. We are, we are the Father. Fo- You have to first realize that you're the son, and the father and the son are one, and then you realize that God is within you. That's how powerful you are. But, you know, we have to come here, forget all of that, to remember. Because I used to be like, well, how come I just don't know that now? (laughs) Because that's part of your journey. That's part of all of our journeys. Um, Do you have anything you want to share, Deborah? Deborah? Um uh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> no, like, mm-hmm. This is a deep
1: uh, chapter this week. It is, it really is. I read it beforehand, that's why I think I thought we were on twenty five because uh I reread, you know, after we read I read the chapters again and I think I I it became so engaging I went ahead to chapter twenty
0: five.
1: <laughs> yeah. It takes rereading it even during the week. I mean, you just can't read yeah. it and put it on. You, know, you have to read it again, and then you have little aha moments throughout. Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: But, did, but the what he did say was profound. That he, that it, it, it to me it seems as if it's not so supposed to be so much on the focus of taking it literally. That this is you know history, and but uh, just the the understanding that this is their experience. Of um, what, what's happening in their imagination and, and as they were coming to understand God. Mm-hmm. It's, very, it's very, very deep. Very deep. Because right. it, And it's also kind of disheartening when you think, you and I know, with our, both of our former experiences of certain denominations, as it's it being, you it, it do people a disservice, I think, when it's being taught as literal, that it should be taken literal. Because there's a lot of things that happens in the Bible. if we took it literally, you would think that God is sadistic and men, you know, some men just, I don't know, they should be under the jail somewhere. Because there's some things that take place that if you take them on on a literal level, um, they do more of a disservice in helping the person understand who they are um, through their imagination as opposed to thinking that this is what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to, you know, kill people because they do something wrong? Which I think is, you know, what has happened with the whole history of religion, you know, throughout the world.
0: Yeah. Many religions um, are very violent. And, uh, you know, it's my way or the highway. And so many religions use the um, Bible as a basis for you know, basically stoning you. But we have, um, maybe we'll talk about it next week if if somebody reminds me um, how Neville breaks down what stoning, stoning actually someone means and it's not the literal stoning either. But um, I do want to thank you for reading, my beautiful friend, Deborah. It's always a pleasure to hear you read because you read it so powerfully especially when it hits the scripture parts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Linda, Linda,
1: Linda, unmute me, Linda. Linda, hey, Linda, Linda.
2: Yes. (laughs) Hey, Linda,
1: (laughs) listen, 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 listen,
2: Linda.
0: (laughs) I am. Thank you so much for um, reading today and um, for a powerful reading as well both of you ladies are very powerful when you read uh, these Neville texts something happens to you out I'm not sure what to get transformed it's like amazing um, <laughs> I want to say thank you to Wanda Lynn for joining us even though she's at work and uh, we appreciate you and thank you again for that beautiful love donation that you gave the Indigo Room uh, Mavis, I want to say hi to you real quick as we roll out and end hi. the show. Hi, Mavis. Hi, Sydney. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you for hi. joining us today. It was gr- I know you were here and you, um, just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, and Miss Wanda, we want to acknowledge Miss Wanda too. I know she's there. And, uh, I wanted to say, um, she said, Wanda said, before we roll out of here, I think this is what I have been experiencing since I was a little girl, but have been in conflict with because of what I was taught in the traditional church. I agree. That's exactly what we're saying. And Yaron said, um, an, an, an Israeli named Professor Lebovich wrote a Neville-like book about the Bible, I will find out more and let you know. Awesome. That would be great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he said, awesome reading from all three of you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Gary, it is a pleasure to have you uh, with us, your spirit with us uh, today. I see you. I see you, Gary. (laughs) And um, we'll see you all next. Oh, wait. I won't be here next week, the 7th. Um, My sister is moving to Texas, and uh, we're celebrating um, her last couple of weeks here, so we're having a little bit of a party next uh, Saturday. So I won't be here next Saturday with you all. Um, It'll be the following Saturday, which will be the um, 14th. So we'll be back uh, May 14th, not May 7th. So um, you're more than welcome to find some Neville stuff to read at realneville.com. Send me an email, Facebook me, um, you know, Twitter. Not on Twitter that much, more Facebook than anything else. But um, I hope you have a great two weeks, and I will see you again on May 14th. Love you all. Have a great week.
1: Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs)